Why did you stop me? That is one of the most frequently asked questions when a person is stopped by the police. There is a violent confrontation between a police officer and a community member every hour in this country. This violence often stems from the lack of understanding and mistrust for the police. It is crucial that we educate our future leaders in the community about policing in order to promote positive interactions between the community and members of the police. Today we're joined by retired Long Beach Police Department Sergeant Jason Lehman, whose mission is to reduce violence between peace officers and the community through training provided by his organization called Why Did You Stop Me? The National Fraternal Order Police endorsed Jason's training organization, which aims to increase transparency in policing in an effort to eliminate these acts of violence. I'm Patrick Yost, National President of Fraternal Order Police, and this is The Blue View. Uh, it's easier. It's easy to stay in our comfort zones and talk to people who tell us what we want to hear. Uh, and, and, and talking in an echo chamber is not going to change anything. Uh, you know, it, what we need to do is we need to have a better understanding uh, on both sides of the equation, uh, on all, all sides of the equation. And that's one thing that, that, that we don't uh, we don't uh, do very well. Uh, so you're right. Uh, although those, you know, those community policing initiatives that you talk about are effective and they clearly are. Mm-hmm. They're not the most efficient. Uh, they're just uh, they're just one more tool in a toolbox of, uh, of trying to get a message across. At the end of the day, it really is all about the relationships we build around the services that we provide, and and with the public as as well. And uh, we can't do that if uh, if all we do is talk to people who agree with us. So getting outside that comfort zone and and having that discussion, which you know, just as having that free communication, that transparency, that willingness to to uh, to to maybe be at a little discomfort. Uh, of trying to trying to figure out the best path best path forward. Uh, so you're so right. As, as so much you 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 gave in that in that last uh, um, you know last uh, uh, a collection of of thoughts. Um, let's. Uh, what do you see the future of law enforcement? I think you touched on it a little bit. Uh, the future of law enforcement, we're obviously evolving. Now, these last two years have been very difficult for law enforcement. Uh, eight minutes and 46 seconds on a street in Minneapolis changed our our profession forever. And uh, it's one thing that I, I have a, a serious, I guess, concern with is we see we see a whole lot of approaches to try and do what's, what's called uh, police reform. Uh, and there's a wide range of it across this country. But what we do know and then in a number of cities, it's been very, very detrimental to the crime rate. Um, and the very people that, uh, that, that these, these experiments are, are claiming to be helping are the ones that are being affected to most, the, the most. Uh, you know, law enforcement, uh, uh, the quality of life in a community has a lot of spokes on a wheel. And uh, law enforcement is just one of them. The criminal justice system is one of them. It's not. It's not law enforcement. Uh, law enforcement is just a part of it. You know. So when you when you have prosecutors that are allowing a revolving door, regardless of how they justify it, the end result is the same. We see anyone who's worked in law enforcement more than a minute knows that uh, the majority of crime is created by a small percentage of people. And when we're able to take those small percentage of people out of the uh, communities where they can continue to prey on people, then we see an impact on crime. We see we see murder rates go down. We also know that there are some people who benefit from this chaos. They benefit from creating this discord, whether it be political or whether it be financial or whatever. There are some people that just don't want to see this move forward. We find ourselves in a 
a very dangerous time. And, and if you're a law enforcement officer, ambush attacks on law enforcement officers simply because of the color of their uniform uh-huh. is at an all-time high. And, and I would love to tell you that that's, that's just an anomaly. But uh, this year's breaking last year's record. Last year broke the year before's record. We see a trend here happening that, that, uh, that something has to reverse. Something has to happen. We have to recognize that we're doing some serious harm to, to, to the community, very communities that we, we're all pledging to protect. And, and when we talk about murder rates and we talk about percentages of crime increase, so none of that means anything. Let me put it into you in real terms. Every one of those numbers represents a family and a life that's forever changed. Uh, so let's quit looking at numbers because they're impersonal. Let's look at the fact that, uh, that this, this path that we're taking in a lot of cities, we need to recognize that it's not effective, it's not efficient, and we need to do something. What do you see as the future of law enforcement and how can – Programs like this have some impact and have cooler heads prevail and reverse the course in some of these failed policies and failed uh, experiments. Yeah, you know, I like I like the term experiment. I, I don't know why we have to experiment when I believe that we understand already what is going to work. What is going to work is for our educational institutions to allow police officers back into them. We're so busy kicking out the school resource officers and speaking about this school to prison pipeline and all these other things. And we're so busy and so hyper-focused, worried about what has happened in the past, meaning, right, these concepts around police officers engaging in racial profiling and all these other things. And I will tell you, I wholeheartedly agree that when, when policing came out of the issues around slavery and those kinds of things, that there probably were those ideas happening. But we are far removed from that now. With that said, we have to understand people's reality. We have to honor people's reality. But it's our job as leaders to, number one, check ourselves, and then, number two, provide information so that other people may be able to change their minds. Right now, what I believe is happening is I believe the loud minority, and I'm not speaking about minority by race. I'm speaking about the loud, small group of people are are forcing changes that are detrimental to both police officer safety and community member safety. And I'll tell you, for years, Pat, we've used the term officer safety. That term is detrimental too. They're universal ideas, right? All of these me and them and us and you know all of that stuff. This is a safety situation for all. We need to be engaging in community safety. That doesn't change the fact that I have to be safe, that I have to play, um, you know, on, on, a, on a certain type of platform when I'm out there. But safety has to be enhanced. And how do we do that? We do that by reducing ego on both sides. There's three E's, reducing ego on both sides. We do it by working through enhancing energy. What is energy? Energy is our desire to want to do it. For community members, it's the desire to want to learn more about the police and learn how to better and more effectively cooperate. Also, learning how to cooperate now and being able to report police misconduct and, and learning about the systems around police misconduct and how you can report that. Because there are police officers out there, a very, very small number, but there are police officers out there that make bad decisions. There's police officers out there that make mistakes. And if police entities and agencies don't learn about it, they can't make the changes that need to be made. But the vast majority of police officers are doing it right. On the flip side, and, we, and then that third E is empathy. Community members need to need to also need to sometimes learn about empathy for the law enforcement profession right now and for the individual police officer. The individual police officer who may not want to be able to get out of the car right now because they may say something like, if I don't get out of the car, my career will continue. 
If I don't get out of the car, I'll live and I won't get fired for doing something that I thought was the right thing. You know, if I if I don't get out of the car, you know, these ideas around time heals all calls. I want a police officer who polices the neighborhood where my two kids live to get out of the car, to be proactive, to make those stops happen. I want that police officer to be able to run after somebody that's committed a crime. I want a police officer to be able to drive after somebody that's committed a crime and do those things and have that energy and vigor that I had when I was in law enforcement. I think the future of policing um, is going to go one of two ways. Number one, we're going to find funding to fund the police and fund initiatives like the nonprofit that we have. Fund training not only for the community, but also for the police. Police officers are the best, but the best can get better. And we struggle in, in, um, in law enforcement, I would say in general, in teaching and training supervisory leadership, in teaching and training field training officers, in teaching and training police officers to not only be the best, but to continue every day to get 2% better. And then to be able to fund community um, community training and to teach community members how to cooperate with the police and show them that the majority of the police are good. I think that the future um, really relies on us deleting the universal. And what does that mean? That means that if I say that police officers are racist, then people are going to believe police officers are racist. If I say if a parolee's lips are moving, they're lying, then I'm never going to believe somebody who's on supervised release. If I say this or I say that and I don't put an identifier before the universal, we will continue to divide. I think we should be saying that there are some people who lean liberal who do not support the police because the truth is there are plenty of people that, that, that lean liberal that do support police relations. So when we use that term some, it allows for other people who do defend that, that side to feel validated. I can't run around as a police officer and say all teachers are speaking poorly about the police because if I'm a teacher, I don't feel good. Or if I say the media is hurting police community relations, what media channel is going to want to support me if I say that? So it's about putting in those, those ideas that it's some or maybe it's too many or maybe it's a few, whatever it might be that really helps us in the future. But I think if we control ego on both sides, we enhance energy and that decision to be proactive and we're allowed to do so. And that's through some of the, the reform, that's through positive reform, not negative reform. We don't need another assembly bill or a Senate bill that limits police officers' powers as long as police officers are doing what they're supposed to be doing. We got enough rules. What we need to do is we need community members and communities to fight for police officers to take practice and policy and bring them closer together. The policies that exist for the most part are pretty well written and some do have to change, but we have to be able to take that energy and make that work. And the last one is empathy. I think if, if, uh, if, if a police agency is looking for the right police officer tomorrow, I believe that their testing should be around the ability for a police officer to show empathy to be a guardian at times and to understand that when it's a warrior when it's when when it's time to be a warrior they have to turn that on because the rest of the police officers and the community members that they serve rely on police officers to have at times a warrior mindset whether that be 1% or 0.001% we have to have that in us in law enforcement systems still so i think that's where the future goes it's really about us coming together and uniting and spending more time with the people that 
unfortunately, we might think we don't like. Seeking to better understand the other side really helps us. And that's how we become better. That's how I became an expert on black criminal street gangs. And that's how I learned about communities of color. I don't know as much as, I I would never pretend to be a person of color. But when we think about it, there's two things that we should come into agreement with before we ever get into a police community contact. The first one is, I never chose the color of my skin. Neither does the person that I come in contact with. And with that said, I also did not choose the socioeconomic issues that are that are out there. That is not a police issue as much as it's something that's been out there. Like you said, police are just one piece of these spokes. The second thing is that I was either raised to have bias or not. I was either raised to be a racist or not. I had to learn that. And for me, I did not learn that. And so it's unfair for a person of color to judge me and say that I am making race-based decisions simply because I'm in an area where, unfortunately, the majority of the people that are committing crime may be black or Hispanic. And that's just as an example. On the flip side, um, I can't look at a person of color and think that way. Now, the person of color can't look at me and think that way. When we come together and we unite and we're able to be vulnerable in our communication and our conversation, we will see huge differences in the future of policing. But it takes deliberate action. And unfortunately, it's not deliberate action on one side. It's deliberate action on both sides. I think the future of policing is us being proactive and spending as much money trying to prevent the police use of force as we do breaking down the use of force afterwards. I mean, all of these experts want to get on TV and all of these experts want to talk about which side was right or which side was wrong, but none of them are walking into classrooms and training, not police, not community members, nothing. They're just, we're just sitting back and we're sitting on our heels. We got to be proactive. We got to go after, I'm a football guy. We got to get in there and we got to score touchdowns and those touchdowns have to be for both teams. And that's, that's really where I see the future going. Now on the flip side, if that doesn't happen, This is going to become a very, very hard profession, even harder than it is right now. And like you said, I think the tide's turning and it's going to keep going up and down for as long as we don't take the reins. Um, It's going to continue to go up and down. But if we can take the reins and we can make some smart, um, some smart and strategic moves, I think we'll be able to to see that policing will get a whole lot better. And um, my hopes is a whole lot safer, because right now it's a, a very, very dangerous time to be somebody who leaves their family to go protect people they've never met before and to protect people with a vigor and a passion that they're called to uh, to serve with. So it's, it's a very interesting time. You know, it's 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 all about opportunity. Uh, if, if you're, uh, if you truly want to make a difference in the communities we serve, or you truly want to make a difference in your community, uh, you've never had a better opportunity to be part of something now that redefines the future, uh, which, which brings me into a, a perfect segue. Thank you. Uh, and that's a very thoughtful, uh, very thoughtful, uh, you know, information you're sharing. And I, I could not agree with you more, but it, it's a great segue because you set me up for the next thing. Uh, if we look at these last two years, uh, we do know one thing for sure. We're at a crisis in Trinidad law enforcement. That crisis is, is created uh, in a large part of, uh, of people, you know, as we, we, we mentioned a little earlier in this, uh, in this podcast, uh, it's all about respect. Everybody wants respect. And when we feel you don't have it, then, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons why people are leaving law enforcement. Uh, just the, the environment that existed uh, during these last two years, the demonization of law enforcement, the instability and security of our profession. Uh, you know, as a lot of people said, you know, maybe I can find a job and I can make more money 
that's more stable and I don't have to worry about how it affects my family, regardless of whatever the, that is. We're in a crisis situation if you're in law enforcement. Uh, we have two major factors happening uh, and, and they have not let up. And the first one is, is that we're seeing law enforcement officers, they're either retiring early or they're moving into another profession and they're doing it in numbers that we've never, ever seen before. Uh, so that, that in itself is taking experience uh, off the streets and moving them out and making our agencies a lot younger and making them, you know, working short. The flip side of that is, is that because of the instability, because of the demonization of, of, of this profession, we depend on the best and the brightest stepping up and taking this job and being the next wave of law enforcement. You know, the quality of, 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 a, of a law enforcement agency, the very powers that we that we possess are directly related to the trust we have within our communities. And, and recruiting is a big part of that. How can we recruit people from the same community that, we, that we're policing when all we did was demonize who we are? So I'm going to, you know, our problem is this, uh, and we know this, if I could flip, if I had a magic switch and I could flip that switch today and everybody loves the police again, and we have a hundred people standing in the line to take every open position we have in law enforcement across this country, you being a seasoned law enforcement officer, tell me how long it's going to take before those people will be able to be effective in a job of law enforcement. It's not going to happen overnight. So yeah. we're in a crisis situation. So uh, two things. I'm going to ask you to, uh, to, to, uh, to give some advice. If you're a law enforcement out there on the street, tired because you're working short shift, because there's not enough people to go around and, and just run down, uh, know that you're doing the right thing, but at the same time wondering at what cost is this right thing? Are you truly respected? What do you have to say to that law enforcement officer who still suits up and suits up and shows up every day and makes a difference in the lives? And, and, Followed by that, what would you say to those people within the community? Those ones who complain and say that, you know what, law enforcement doesn't reflect who we are. What do you say to them about, about stepping up and be that, uh, be that change that you, uh, that you talk about? Give some advice. Let's. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think for the first, the first part is the American law enforcement officer. The first thing that I want to say is something that they don't hear anywhere near enough. And that's simply thank you. Thank you for protecting the freedoms that we have in this amazing country. And thank you for suiting up when a guy like me can't do it anymore. I am that early retirement leave early guy. And I did it because I wanted to be able to spread this message on a greater scale. But it was hard. I worked through the George Floyd issues and I was in Long Beach for huge riots where thousands of people rioted. I worked through COVID and all those incidents. But I think for a police officer, we have to look at it from two angles. Number one, find the support amongst your peers and support your peers. There is so much value in being positive internally. The negative internal systems in law enforcement right now are leading us to unfortunate trauma. And I hate to say this, but they are one of the factors that leads us to the fact that police officers kill themselves more frequently than a lot of Americans. And suicide is a very real deal. So I would say that internally, we have to do a better job of supporting each other. Outside, I will tell you that when you get out of the car and when you make an impact serving from a whole heart, a lot of the rules and restrictions won't affect you very much because professionalism deals with duty, right? You have to do it because, and you have to do it this way because if not, it's a violation of policy, but caring comes from desire. 
And when you are professional and deal with professionalism with desire and your badge has that heartbeat and not an ego, you go out there and you do things differently. You go out there and you deal with somebody who did not directly impact the rule that exists. It's just, you don't just find that state senator, right? You're going out and you're dealing with human beings. And when you go out there and when you serve from a whole place, making sure safety comes first, safety on both sides, and you go out there and you serve with that whole heart, I think that you'll take yourself back to your why. And that's the second part of it. Why did you get into this profession? And what is it that you can still do to answer your why? You still arrest people. You still go out there and provide a service. You make people feel safe. You still take one person off the streets and you help one victim at a time. And when you go out there and you do that, I hope that you remember the power that you have. What I do at the end of our courses when we speak to police officers and we have a one hour piece on trauma and resiliency because we feel that we have to address that. That's an unaddressed piece. But what we do is we, we ask a police officer, and I'll ask each and every person that listens to this podcast to do this. If you're active law enforcement, take that thank you and make something of it. Drive to the highest point and the highest peak in your city. Get out of the police car that nobody else has the opportunity to drive except you. And understand that the next 911 call you're dispatched to is a 911 call no one will go to if it's not for you. And the same thing holds true for the children in the city that you live in that you don't police. No one will respond to your kids when they need help if, our, if it isn't for our American police systems. And when you get out of that car, you feel that wind and feel that breeze and let that cape fly in the air and understand that you are the best of the best. But your responsibility and calling is greater than that. Your responsibility and calling is to fight to get better. And our resiliency and our trauma recovery, PTSI and PTSD recovery, it really needs to have this component of us getting better. We can't settle for mediocrity or substandard work. We got to go out there and do our best. And we have to find positive in a negative environment. I know that's hard. For the community member, for the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the person that lives, works, or plays in a community, there are so many things you can do to help out a police officer. You can talk through training systems with your, with your, with your friends, with your family, with your kids, but you can also just show some gratitude. Go out there and thank a police officer when you can. Do there's so many different things you can, you know, give a cop a football, <laughs> right? Give a cop a football and tell them to throw it around with your kids. Wave at people with five fingers, not just one. Give commendations when police officers are doing it right. Go out there and say thank you and ask questions of police officers. Force police officers into an uncomfortable position just by asking them questions. But don't do it by screaming at them in the middle of a traffic stop. Find the right time and understand that things are very dynamic and very dangerous in this job. And give just a little bit of leeway and grace as, P as police agencies work through the explanation and transparency process when violent acts do occur. It's not always as it seems, and we have to be able to take a step back and understand reduce, redu reduction of ego, controlling energy, and taking that empathetic approach. When we do that with both sides, we both better attain and better achieve our greatness. We work to get 2% better every day, and we're out there to be the leaders that we know we can be. Police officers don't just wear police uniforms. Anybody that's willing to stand between good and those making bad decisions, those are the police officers. You're the protectors of this community. And we have to work together and unite to do this and not divide. And just because somebody makes a bad decision doesn't make them a bad human being. We need to be able to see past all of those ideas, come together, take our thought processes and put them together instead of dividing them. And we need to better unify. 
a lot of that has to do though with for the police wellness and for the community wellness as well. We have to work through getting over some of this trauma over the last couple of years. It's got to be really, really hard to respond to a radio call right now. And it's also got to be really, really hard to be a person of color and trust the police. Right now, because of these systems that we have, it's hard for both sides. We got to work through those ideas and continue to push on and push forward. And I hope that that leads to future safety because we are seeing way too much violence out there on both sides. And it's, it's, it's got to stop. Yeah, Jason, I, I, I think I'm going to let I think I'm going to leave it there. I, there's no way to say it any better than you just did. I uh, maybe one. I'll take a stab at it. Uh, I'll, I'll quote a quote one person who uh, Maya Angelou uh, says something that I think is is so profound and and fits so much into what you just uh, uh, and what you just described. Yeah, it's uh, people might not always remember what you said. They might not always remember what you did. They will always remember how you made them feel. That's right. So, Jason, thank you for joining us. Uh, some great information. I love your passion. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about uh, about your organization, your nonprofit. Uh, what's the best way for them to go about it? Hundred percent. So you can follow us. Um, first of all, the website is www.wisdom.org. Wisdom stands for the acronym of Why'd You Stop Me? W Y S M. We are also on social media at Team Wisdom. T E A M W Y S M. My social is at Jason Lehman sixty four. J A S O N L E H M A N six four. And you can get a, get a hold of us on social media. But something that you got to know, and Pat, I really want to be able to get this message out there. We will go anywhere in this country at pennies. If you have pennies to give us, we will come out there and we will help your agency or organization, both with the police and with the community, to bring a very, very in-the-middle approach. The only, the only thing that hinders us from growing our message and going out there and making people feel empowered is people that are set to divide this, this uh, entire country. If you think that only one side matters, you are set to divide this country. Both sides have to matter. And we are here to be able to help you with that and help to create that system. So, Pat, thank you so very much. Thank you to the Fraternal Order of Police, this amazing podcast to get this message out there. What you're doing with this platform is ultimately helping people to feel better in their position and lead to safety. And that's really what the Fraternal Order of Police does is to be able to support what's right. I'm so tired of hearing these negatives about police unions and all this other stuff. Everybody deserves a defense. But when it comes to this, we should all be able to come together and see the benefit of us being able to unite. And so, I'm super excited for this opportunity. And I thank you especially for, for this opportunity. Oh, Jason Lehman, uh, why'd you stop me? Great program. Thank you for all that you're doing and, uh, and spreading the word and trying to build, to build those bridges uh, across this nation. Thank you. And to our viewers, thank you for tuning in to the Blue View, where we talk about the issues that are so vitally important to the men and women who suit up and show up in communities across this country every single day and make a difference in the lives of those they swore to serve. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. To get the latest from the National FOP, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at GLFOP and on Instagram at FOP National. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.